Big Fluff. This is Fourier Ayers, Jennifer Ayers, and then there was Mr. Nathaniel Anthony Ayers Sr. He was a big man. He had big hands. I have uh, very small hands. Fit around the violin, the cello. Um, Mr. Ayers was a big man, but he wasn't a god. I, I have my god. Mr. Steve Lopez. Oh boy. Yeah, you're my guy flying around. Hi, you're my guy. Mr. Steve, Steve Lopez, staff writer, you are my guy. I'm sure. your god. You're my god. All right. I am your god. And as your god, I command you to be at LAMP 2 p.m. one week from today for a cello lesson. Done deal. And, and it's, a, it's a really sweet deal, too, because if you show up, I will grant you eternal life. Hell, I might even make you a disciple. If you don't, you're on your own. Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we are in week two of failed Oscar bait month. And this week we are tackling the soloist. Starring Oscar winner Jamie Foxx, Oscar nominees Robert Downey Jr. and Katherine Keener, and uh, multi-time EGOT winner Jenna Malone. Yeah. Yes. Jenna Malone the best. I was so excited when Jenna Malone popped up. Oh my I, God, was I so pumped when Jenna yeah. Malone showed up for yeah. those. Ugh. But let's save that. Yeah. Uh, also, let's not forget that you mentioned the actors in this, and, and obviously that's all oh, relevant. Yeah. But let's let's talk about... Joe Wright, who, yes, director of three Oscar-nominated performances uh, for Kira Knightley, Saoirse Ronan, and Gary Oldman, and uh, multiple Best Picture. You know, like you want for, to talk about an Oscar bait director? One yeah. Joe Wright uh, successfully nabbed a, made an Oscar-winning movie in the form of uh, Darkest Hour. Gary mm -hmm. Oldman won for playing uh, Winston Churchill. Yep, and um, but yeah, Atonement. Uh, Pride and Prejudice. The Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Uh, there are others. And Cyrano that has, is up yeah. from, I think, noms this year. Cyrano, I, I think it might have like a best song or something. It didn't get nominated for best picture. I actually saw Cyrano and I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Peter Dinklage is someone that I'm a big fan of, but that. Oh, love it. Love the Dink. Also feels like it might be a future episode because everything I've heard is that it is uh, not doing great <laughs> box office wise. So, uh, but I, I really liked it. So, uh, you know, take that. For yeah, what I, you I've will. not seen it, but no, Joe Wright, like his career is just, um, but he also did like really fun action flicks like Hannah. I love that movie so much. I love Hannah. Honestly, possible. This might be up there with your Ben Affleck uh, Batman take. Hannah, my favorite of his movies. It's it's great. If you've never seen it, stop everything you're doing and go watch that movie. I'm going to go ahead. And say, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Also, like, that's like Darkest Hour is good. Um, yeah, it's not a Pan knock on anything else that he's done, but if but I Hannah, if, so much effing fun, it really is, and it got kind of it's it's a weird journey for Hannah because I feel like it got overlooked when it came out, but then I think there's a Amazon series, some some network, there, some there streaming. Is an, there is, I think it's an, a Prime series that I haven't watched. But I haven't seen it, it either, is. but no, I I saw that movie in the theater and I was so pumped about it. 
And then it, I never ran into anyone else besides you who I think has even seen it. So I don't really know. The movie Hannah? Yeah. Well, I remember uh, on another podcast that we have frequently done, um, as it is the month of March, um, we did an episode of Who Would Win in a Fight. Yes. A series of episodes, Who Would Win in a Fight, and we picked a bunch of action stars. And, and Hannah made quite a run, as I think, as a dark horse. Right. But I, I remember that I even had to fight to get Hannah on the ballot of that tournament because it, she, people didn't think not she had enough. Not with me, didn't. Well, not with you. Yeah. But I think other people didn't think she had enough name recognition who so, cares so justice for, a badass is hannah yes yeah, so, so justice for hannah go watch that movie if you've never seen yeah, it. yeah it's great yeah um and save yourself the trouble for watching the soloist yeah don't watch the soloist you don't need to do that we've done it so you don't have to that's one of the many services we provide here at silver linings playback yes uh feel free to send us cash for, for yes. doing this for you. Just say, and you know what? It can be the 10 bucks that you would have paid to rent this or whatever. Like, we'll, we'll yeah, take that. Yeah, or go see it, have seen it in the theater in 2009. Yeah, which, so that's another thing that we did this last week, and I like doing this this month. As these, because, I mean, this movie, let's say it too, like, we kind of gave the pedigree of, we give the CVs of everyone involved, but man, is this movie trying to win Oscars. Oh, this is swinging for the fences, baby. Yeah, you've got the sort of pursuit of happiness-esque, you know, guy uh, who's living on the streets, who's super talented. You know, you've got yeah. the white you savior. You've got the down on his luck thing. you got the white savior narrative, even yeah. though Steven Lopez is not uh, ethno-European. Well, I mean, he is in this movie, baby. Well, sure, <laughs> he sure is. Uh, but, yes. Uh, so you've got like all of those things. It's based on a true story. That's always big for the Oscars too. Yeah. It, it, Disney's involved. Yeah, Disney's involved. So you kind of got all those things. But this came out in 2009. So let's let's talk about because this got nothing. No, like it received no Globes or anything, right? No, it received no award recognition for Golden Globes, Academy Awards, anything. It won some like other indie awards or whatever, but like nothing. Film Critic Circle Awards, and so, yeah, yeah, some some of the more obscure stuff, but nothing that you that has name recognition, <laughs> you know. Uh, but this is what it was up against. The 2010. I'm going to read the awards that were the movies that were nominated for Best Picture in the 2010 Academy Awards. Great. Hurt Locker, which won. Great movie. Avatar. You know what? We're going to do Avatar on this podcast at some point. Can, I love I love it. It's tif- it's awful, and I love every second of it. I'm I just, don't that's my like take it. on Avatar. I don't like it, and I don't think we have to do it because it was nominated for Best Picture. Therefore, it's not maligned. Therefore, I don't have to talk about the blue cat people. Fair. Well, this, their sequel's coming, though, baby. Well, those would be maligned, and we'll definitely do those on the show. Yes. No, uh, Avatar is such a bad movie, and I, God, I love it, and I don't care. The Blind Side, which All I right. honestly feel like took this movie's spot. It, it might have. It, re- it really <laughs> might have. Because it checked that off is... that true story, white savior, you know, down on their luck, uh, talented yeah. black person narrative, you know. Yes. Uh, District 9, which is a great movie. District 9 is, I think, a very underrated film. Yes. And Education, which is a movie that I was, again, might be in a small demographic of people who saw, but I really did like that movie as well. I've uh, not seen it in Education. Fun fact, in Education has Rosamund Pike in it, who uh, was apparently engaged to Joe Wright 
Uh, and to the point that they were going to get married, and then at the last minute, they canceled their wedding. I found that just randomly. Wait, at I was the like, last minute, did she uh, pretend to kidnap herself and then stage her murder? Yeah. I mean, that's, and then they loosely like based a film on the real events mm. of their life. Uh, oh, anyway. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. You know what? It's the last good Tarantino movie. Yep. There, I said it. No, I agree with that 100%. Uh Precious, based on the novel pushed by Sapphire. You know what? That's a movie that I, I, I watched it. I loved it. I never want to see it again. Yep, that's, that's the right answer for that. Uh, a Serious Man. You know what? A lot of people are really high on A Serious Man. Hmm. I enjoyed eh. it, but it's not, it's not in my top it's, it's, tier it's Coen Brothers. It's forgettable as a Coen Brothers movie yes. for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, up. Oh, Up is great. Which I think Up, I think that was what caused them to create the animated category was Up getting nominated this year was like. The, yeah. Uh, and then Up in the Air. Up in the Air is a solid flick. Yeah. So those were the movies that did get nominated. Crowded Field, some very good. Uh, there's nothing in there that like I don't think should have been there and except Avatar. Uh, and then uh, everything's really I good. I get why Avatar was there, but it probably shouldn't have been. If you're not yeah. going to nominate Endgame, you should have nom- shouldn't have nominated Avatar. Look, the best moment that has ever happened in Academy Award history is when they said that La La Land won Best Picture, and then they had to come out and be like, "No, we read the wrong name. It's actually Moonlight." That's that moment will never be topped. But a you know contender for one of my favorite moments in any oscars was the fact that one look james cameron has an unassailable resume he is a filmmaking genius who has made hit after hit but he is also somehow has an ego larger than his resume (laughs) and his ex-wife catherine bigelow directed the hurt locker and her winning the trophy and him not winning it did make me very happy. Yeah, no, that, um, cause like all the technical stuff that Avatar won, I feel was deserved. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a conversation to be had about its effect on the industry as a whole, because obviously the 3d technology, the special effects, all of that, that's what people liked about it. Anyway, the, he didn't invest a lot of time in the story. <laughs> no, it's, uh, dances with wolves meets the Smurfs. That sounds like a better pitch than the movie I remember watching, but that's not wrong. No, that because uh, that uh, then you haven't seen it in a while because that's beat for beat what the no, movie. No, but I'm is. saying if that literally was the movie, I would have liked it better. <laughs> <laughs> Giant Thundercat Smurfs. Yeah, I uh, that that's the movie I would have been down for. But anyway, we're not here to talk about any of that. That was no, all. We're here to talk about the soloist. That's uh, the other stuff. Yeah. So there's um, all, and also to be clear, so that's best picture. Uh, you might be wondering, well, did Robert Downey Jr. or Jamie Foxx get nominated for either Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor? They did not. And in fact, this year was the year that Jeff Bridges won Best Actor for, for Crazy Heart. For Crazy Heart. And Christoph Waltz won Best Supporting for Inglorious Bastards, which 100% on both of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, Jeff Bridges won an award for playing a country singer with a mouthful of marbles. And that and that's like you want to talk about degree of difficulty, like when they with the Olympic gymnastics, how you can only get a certain score if you do a certain degree of difficulty acting a whole movie with a mouthful of marbles and whoppers, candies and milk duds like that's. Yeah, it's interesting to see how very talented actors age. You get stuff like Pacino and De Niro just become these like parodies of themselves. It's fascinating that Bridges 
he never his level of acting has been the same since last picture show. Like he's been great in everything. But at some point he decided, look, I'm getting older and I'm just going to have a mouthful of food in every movie that I do. And they'll edit around it coleslaw the whole time. Yeah, they'll edit around it. I'm going to eat warm coleslaw (laughs) out while I'm filming True Grit. It's been sitting out in the sun and I'm going to chow down on that. And they'll they'll edit around it. It'll be fine. Everyone on people understood Bane. Yeah, they can figure me out. <laughs> they can CGI out that coleslaw. <laughs> yeah, and that's oh man. It, all of his movies have been going over budget because of that. Because like you'd think that like the soloist or uh, not the soloist, but Crazy Heart wouldn't have had such a CGI budget. But yeah, I mean there was coleslaw and milk does running down his chin the entire movie. Yep. Yeah, sometimes Luckily they just they had made him they had him chew tobacco for a lot right. of it. So yeah, they could. covered it up with like tobacco or dirt and stuff like that. But look again, that's also not what we're here to talk about. But I will say Jeff Bridges was the villain in the first Iron Man movie, which starred Robert Downey Jr. And boom, we're back on topic. Oof, nailed it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You almost put together that segue in a cave <laughs> with a box of straps. I'm Tony Stark. <laughs> Uh, which can we say something? Look, I know I just got us back on topic, but I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. <laughs> I just want to say this because I had this thought. Robert Downey Jr., God bless him, is trying to win an Academy Award by playing this part. That's very clear. There's yes. even the speech with Catherine Keener where he like sums it all up speech, you know, where he's like talking about everything that would have been the clip had he been nominated. Clearly. Yes. Robert Downey Jr., should have been nominated for an Academy Award for playing Tony Stark in either... I mean, take your pick, but I would have gone Infinity War or Endgame 100%. Those are true facts. It is the best acting work that he has ever done, and he should have been nominated for that. So I just want to say that. Because comic really book good movies... Chaplin, where he did get nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not even saying that, but I'm saying the best work he's ever done in his life is playing Tony Stark. It is what he will be remembered for Comic book movies oh, should yeah. be nominated for Academy Awards more. He should have been nominated. I, and I know we're still way off topic, but I'm still really shocked that they didn't give uh, Endgame the Lord of the, the Return of the King treatment. That's the mistake that they made. And I think that will haunt them in the way that, you know, and again, I'm not like, but in the way that they've missed things like I'm not comparing it to these movies, but I'm saying the way that Citizen Kane is just considered to be an all time masterpiece and didn't win the way that. Uh, we talked about Tarantino, the way that Pulp Fiction was such a like it created a new genre, a new like indie boom. It didn't win. I think missing Endgame, the way that Goodfellas wasn't Scorsese's Oscar win. Right. Just the way that they they often miss the thing that's happening while it's happening. I think not giving Endgame a best picture nod for the decade plus of cinematic universe world building and phenomenal storytelling that the MCU well, that, has has maintained is a huge mistake that will be weird when people look back. Except the world's ending, so no one's going to look back. But if they right. did. But those other people, whatever comes next, looks back on this era. I'm just saying um, when, when the alien civilization tries to make sense of us, they're going to be like, wait, so they made all these Marvel movies and they're this good. But they didn't win their awards. I don't. That doesn't make sense. You want to talk about Oscar bait just utterly missing is I think. I I might even be wrong on this, but I think Black Panther is the only MCU movie to win an Oscar for special effects. That might be true. It's also the only one to be nominated for Best Picture. 
Uh, and it's great. I yeah. love Black Panther. Don't get me wrong. Right, right. Yeah, there's not a knock on it. It's just the only one. And it's because I think it it got multiple nominations because it was nominated for costumes. Like it, it actually got editing a bunch of the technical stuff. But yeah, I think you might Muse, be right. Uh, it won for best score, Little Gorenson. Yeah, but yeah, you might be right about that. I I don't know that offhand, but that sounds correct. Um, which is also bananas because those movies, like it's. The special effects are so good, they're unnoticeable at times. Right. They have fully realized, like, CGI characters. And and also just, I mean, that's the stuff that you can... Like, they've can... stopped making Iron Man suits. It's just CGI. Right. And, and even Black Panther, like, his suit is usually CGI. Like, a lot of the suits are CGI. Like, they do that with Spider-Man. Like, a lot of the times, the people aren't wearing the thing. It's fully right. CGI, you know? But right. anyway... Uh, let's that, talk about the soloist. Let's talk about the soloist. So, yeah, we're 15 minutes into this podcast. That's fine. This is, as we said, it's based on a true story. I think we can summarize the actual story pretty quickly. There was a real guy named Steve Lopez who wrote for the L.A. Times. He uh, as this is very relatable to me as a writer. He was up against a deadline, <laughs> needed to throw together a column, was walking around downtown L.A., Passed a Beethoven statue, heard a, this guy, Nathaniel Ayers, who is a homeless man, uh, playing music. It was beautiful. He stopped to talk to him. Uh, Nathaniel Ayers mentions that he uh, had gone to Juilliard. This is all very fascinating to him. He does some research, finds out the story is true, and writes about him. And then the movie is essentially about their friendship and what happens after that. And trying to get him back on his feet and all that stuff. Yeah, like sort of he publishes the column and then people are interested. And Nathaniel Ayers and uh, Stephen Lopez like really takes an interest in trying to help him. And it's all of that. And yep. it's based on there was columns and then there was a book also called The Soloist. Uh, and then this movie is based on all that. Yeah. And they shot in the real like LA Times building for this in a, you know, real locations. It's it's L.A. is actually playing L.A. in this. Yeah. And even uh, a lot of the extras were uh, unhoused people, you know, so there was all of that. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they even shot at like the real lamp facilities. I think that's right. Yeah. L.A. Yep. Um, yeah, this is white savior narrative. Pappy crap. Yeah. And so. There's there's multiple things that I want to malign about this. I mean, we already said one, so I guess we'll just restate it. Steven Lopez, played by Robert Downey, Robert Jr. Downey Jr. Not not good. Not good. And also, I, I don't know. I don't know if you did this, and I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. But I got kind of interested, and I did some at least like preliminary YouTube searching. And I found the real Steven Lopez and Nathaniel Ayers. And let's just say uh, not... <laughs> super accurate casting in any regard that makes sense it's even kind of funny because the real Stephen Ayers you know he's a much uh I don't know he's like a he looks like a little bit of a fancier man I think it's fair to say he's a you know he's a columnist for a major newspaper but that's fair but he's you know silver-haired has a goatee uh, dress is very nice, you know, does not look like particularly like Robert Downey Jr. Uh, so there's all of that stuff. There's also just what's weird is the actual story is, you know, somewhat interesting. The the thing that all this is based on all the columns in the book. There is a lot in this movie that seem to be weird changes that they made for the movie 
because I think they thought they'd be more entertaining, but I don't think any of them were. And some of those examples would be an entire plotline about <laughs> uh, spreading urine all over his yard to keep, I don't even remember what animal it was away. It was uh, raccoons. Ra- yeah, so he was spreading urine to scare off raccoons, which is a weird thing they invented for the movie. But even bigger than that is the actual Steven Lopez is married with a child. And movie Steven Lopez is divorced and doesn't have a kid and works yeah, with his fictional ex-wife at played the by Catherine Keener played by Catherine Keener. But like Catherine Keener is playing a woman that is not actually his real still married to wife. Right. Which didn't it neither added to nor took away from the narrative of this movie. But that's what I'm saying is they, these feel like changes that they made, I think, because they thought they would be more entertaining and. Uh, And neither of those two cases are either of those things more entertaining. (laughs) And then there was like, I was reading, there's a lot of like arbitrary changes they made, like in terms of there's a part where, you know, someone reads the column and they send a new cello for him to play uh, and they make it a sweet old lady, but it was just some like rich businessman in real life. You know, there's like a bunch of little stuff like that where they just thought, which all of it feels like. I mean, I don't know the, with the, the urine thing, but a lot of maybe the divorce and the sweet old lady, it feels like you're playing into these tropes and really trying to hammer as much melodrama into the story as possible. When, I mean, the story itself gained traction and sort of became a thing because it was so interesting to begin with. Right. But I think it was, it was fascinating. I, it, there wasn't a way to summarize it neatly or even if like pulling quotes didn't feel like it did it justice but i recommend anyone if you're curious find the la times review of this movie because it was written by you know the la times is where uh, all this started and they like i said they really filmed there the columnist who reviewed this movie knows the real steven lopez and like goes through very meticulously to explain all of the ways the movie misunderstood the story and got it wrong and didn't like made a bunch of changes that lessened the actual original thing that was of interest to people misunderstood his friend that they were depicting didn't really get what any of this was about or why people cared it's a very eviscerating like (laughs) review that is very thorough and worth checking out if you're curious we'll wait yeah, yeah, go ahead and read it now. Um, we we assume you're like a speed reader, so you probably already Googled it. And three, two, one, we're back. So you see what I mean, right? Oh, yeah, you get it. You yeah. get it. Okay. <laughs> also, want to note this. We, our, our dear friend, Jonathan Davenport, opened our eyes to uh, the idea of a poop pass. And that's something that we were always looking for. Always looking for a poop pass. Big, big ups to Davin Poe. Which is where someone goes through a script and they add as many poop references and jokes and scenes as, as possible. As much scatological humor as they can. This is the first movie that we have watched since then that I think had a pee pass. Ooh, a pee pee pass. Because, so we talked about the urine that he spreads around the yard, which he spills on himself. There's also another scene 
where Robert Downey Jr. is on the phone. He's trying to get the information about Juilliard and he slips in his own urine. Well, he's trying to also collect a urine sample for because the movie starts with him getting into a really bad cycling accident, which is also made up. Which did not happen in real life. Of course but, it is. Yeah. I I knew that. Yeah. Because it also, you can tell that it's made up because he gets in a cycling accident for the opening scene and there is absolutely no follow up on that idea in the rest of the movie. Like he heals. There's no long term damage like or anything. He's just fine after that. Yeah. But yeah, so he's he's giving a urine sample and he, the urine ends up on the floor and then he, you know, does like a pratfall into it. You know, he does a very cartoonish slipping on his own urine and falling into it scene. Yeah. Which I'm also. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, imagine, imagine someday that they make a movie about Silver Linings Playback and we're going to watch it. And, you know, Ryan Gosling and Channing Tatum are cast as us, you know, obviously. And, that goes without saying. And then we're, we're watching the movie and then all of a sudden Ryan Gosling is just like, whoop, oh, my own urine. And like, and then farts or whatever. Like, that's me. Like, he's using my name in the movie. And the weird part is I'm the one that trips in and covers myself in my own urine week in, week out. Right. And it's just that kind of level. And they of, change it for no reason. Yeah, where they make it like that Channing Tatum can't pee the whole movie. And it's like, right. what is that? That's just a weird and thing. Audience, I want to let you all know I have no problem whatsoever peeing. I am <laughs> might be peeing right now. He's definitely peeing right now. I didn't want to bring I'm 100% him. peeing right we now. Re we record this in two separate spaces. Andy is normally at a urinal while we're recording this. It's the acoustics, baby. Yeah, you, I mean, you sound great, but we do have to edit out a lot of flushing. Oh post. no! There's, we have we have to do some bandpass filters to take out all of the flushes, all of the just the liquid hitting porcelain, all of it. But because it's it, it's a urinal. It's, worth it. it's a urinal. Just it's like, it's in Baltimore, just at a train station. Like, <laughs> yes, it's at it's at Penn Station in Baltimore. Yeah, so we, there's I'm a lot of traffic. I'm just at a urinal. Uh, and, you know, we usually do about 40, 45 minutes per an episode, and I'm going almost the entire time. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. Uh, so, so my, <laughs> maybe that means that my urinary tract is working too well. I definitely think it's that. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay, but point um, being, they did a pee pass, and that's notable to me, because I've never seen that before. So. Yeah, I think there was definitely a pee pass. But uh, no poop. For, when you think about, like, Robert Downey Jr.'s filmography. Mm-hmm. And you think of, like, if there was a trivia question, uh, what movie did Robert Downey Jr. get covered in urine in two separate scenes? Guarantee no one's guessing The Soloist. I'm guessing Due Date, and I just watched The Soloist. So that's what's yeah. weird, is I know the I'm answer. I'm guessing Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Both make sense. So um, More likely for him to get urine on him. And I don't think he gets any pee on him in either of those movies. Yeah, I don't think he does. You would have thought um, due date. I mean, there's a baby involved. You would have thought. Right. And in Doolittle, there's a ton of animals. Yeah. And that movie had a poop pass. It, it for sure did. And we did that episode. You can go listen to our episode. To the talk about our poop pass yeah. review of that. Yep. Um, yeah. And uh, I heard that that's one of the first questions that Robert Downey Jr. asks on a new movie is like, how much body humor you know, like you know bodily humor is in yeah, this. how much scatological humor 
am, am I going to get any uh, bodily fluids on me? And if the answer is no, he's walking. And the, if the answer is no, it's like, but could I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm also not convinced that uh, that Robert Downey Jr., instead of playing Steve Lopez in this movie, played Adam Arkin. Yeah. Also, Adam Arkin would have been closer casting to what the real he, Steve he would have gotten a little closer <laughs> yes. than 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 Robert Downey Jr. Um, love Adam Arkin. He's uh, he's a yeah, he's a good actor uh, from a good acting family, but um, and a good director, yeah. too. And yeah, and a good director. Yeah. <laughs> Talented man, Adam Arkin. Yep. So if you take nothing away from this episode, uh, I'm really good at peeing. Adam Arkin is really good at the film industry. Yeah, he's a double threat. At yeah. least. Yeah. Yeah, he might, he be, able might be able to dance. Who knows? He might be able to sing and dance. I know Channing Tatum can, and he does in the movie that yes. about our lives. Yes. He's there's there's just an unnecessary uh street dance sequence. You say unnecessary. I, I think it adds a lot of value to the film. I mean, you did fight for it, so Yeah, I a lot. I was very vocal about it. <laughs> belligerent even yeah. yeah i said a lot of things i regret now but <laughs> but it got in the movie so do you really regret them no yeah that's there we go <laughs> um we had to spend so much money on licensing pony but again worth it so worth it yeah uh no th like this should we talk about jamie fox Yes. Yes. Jamie uh, Foxx, Academy Award winner. Yes. And it, multiple time Academy Award nominee. Yes. Who's playing a recall? He's he's playing a real person, uh, which is what he won an Academy Award for was he played Ray Charles playing played a real musician mm -hmm. uh, dealing yeah. with physical handicaps. Yeah. I mean, you would think, man, this has got to be in his wheelhouse friends it's not yeah it's he first of all he's playing the same character that he played in the amazing spider-man 2 which we also did like he's he's playing a real man uh like he is the the uh spider-man fanboy electro character that he played except this time he's a fan of iron man yes yeah and it's a prequel to that movie yes but yeah, so there's already that, he, and he like, and that was part of honestly, if I'm if I'm being truthful with everyone, a big part of the reason that I wanted to find real footage of the real Nathaniel Ayers is because I was like, I want to see what he was actually like compared to the way that Jamie Fox is playing him, and Jamie Fox is going for a very theatrical Hollywood big performance, and the the actual Nathaniel Ayers. He is schizophrenic. Like he has schizophrenia. That's why he dropped out of Juilliard. But to listen to him talk, like he'll he has like the way that he speaks to people is in a normal cadence, calmly, but what he's saying might sound kind of you know, off to someone. You know, like the the content of it might be word salad. Or, or not make a lot of sense to you, but he he talks to you like in a normal conversational way. But Jamie Foxx is playing, I don't know, big, weird. It's you know like Dustin Hoffman and Rayman. Yeah, it's not Bartha and Julie bad, but 
but it's Hoffman Rain Man esque. Or Which something. did win an Academy Award for Best Actor. But also that was I mean, we could talk about that too, but that's a different conversation. But also that was a person who is autistic. Which is not, right. what, which is not schizophrenia. Yeah. So um, yeah, the the performance is weird. There's also, I didn't really understand why he has a lot of elaborate, silly costume changes. Where like, again, this is a homeless man, but he's he's doing. Like WWE and the WWE is fitting because he has a luchador mask in one of them. Like, like costume changes. One time he's he has like white face paint on and like a big like Uncle Sam hat, I think, in one point. And there are these like like very. You know, like flamboyant, bright, specific costumes, and they're it, different it's every like time. He's dressing as various people in the Warriors. Yes. Yeah. But and, and every time you see him. He seems to have gotten rid of his previous outfit and has a new one. And he's always wearing a lot of clothing. And a lot of clothing, you know, in L.A. Right. Yeah, so all of that was strange. The way he's playing it is, is again, if you see the real guy, he's not really capturing who the person was. He's, he's playing something big and cartoonish that doesn't feel authentic. Alongside another Oscar winner, Octavia Spencer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, those are my thoughts on it. I don't know if you. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, there's I'm, something else might come up as we talk about some of the silver linings, but I, I, we did kind of hit on all the reasons that this movie uh, swung and missed. Can I just say, I have one more small thing. Sure. So you you're doing a so you already kind of have a tricky thing because it's based on a true story and it's based on a true piece of reporting that someone did. So you have a frame story where we're going to follow Steve Lopez, you know, and he's going to tell the story. To also have flashbacks in the movie felt very hat on a hat to me, like it felt like two different contrasting unnecessary narrative devices, yeah. narrative devices. I didn't think we needed flashbacks and a frame story to tell the story of a person's life. Pick one or the other. Yeah, I like, yeah. Like either take it, Steve Lopez out of it and tell you do flashbacks if you want, which I don't think would have been the right move, but or just tell the story in present day as he discovers it. You, The flashbacks are very weird and out of place to me, so I, I do want to specifically mention them. Like, there's probably a way you could, like, cut to some of the flashbacks while he's telling the stories of the flashbacks, but that's not what seems to be happening. No, it was like, yeah, they were just these flashbacks that were intercut into... More like when he when uh, Nathaniel Ayers is having uh, schizophrenic episodes, that he would recall some of these traumatic events from his past. Right, which would have been a way to tell the story, but isn't consistent enough to be the actual way that they frame the story. Right. So it's just, yeah, I just didn't like on just a basic level, aside from all of the the changes and everything else we talked about, I just didn't like the way that they decided to tell the story. The actual structure of the story unfolding just did not. Yes. Was, didn't seem like the right choices to me pretty much throughout, but I but specifically in the like flashbacks and stuff like that. It's just I, I didn't like the the choices and how the story unfolded. 
I would agree with all of that. Yep. So, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're good, we could probably pivot. Yeah. Um, I, I want to put this in the, in that liminal pivoting space. Okay. Uh, it's just one of the things from the IMDb trivia where at one point they talk about how they're having a screener of the movie that they invited Nathaniel Ayers to. Mm -hmm. And instead of going to the movie, he just went and played the cello across the, just busked playing cello across the street. Uh, and one of the filmmakers, it might have even been Joe Wright, says, well, we gave this thing the right title, The Soloist. It was actually, uh, yeah, because I wrote that down too. It was Steve Lopez who said that. Oh, it was Steve Lopez. Yeah, because okay. that was also the name of the uh, the book. But right. he was the one who commented, yeah, we But yeah, no, I, I thought that was very funny too, that he, they have this big elaborate, you know, uh, the scenes at Disney Hall and, you know, this is big production telling the story of this real person's life and... They're like, yeah, you want to come in and see us film like your life in this big concert hall? And he was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay on the street and play street music. <laughs> yep. I loved that, too. I thought that was great. Uh, that was another, by the way, just of the the sort of arbitrary changes. I know we pivoted. Well, we're in the liminal space, so maybe it's OK. But uh, one of the other things I that I know they changed was he doesn't want he ends up going to a rehearsal instead of going to a live performance. And in the movie, it seems like it's overwhelming to him and he can't handle it. In real life, the reason that he didn't want to go to a live performance and instead went to a rehearsal is because he didn't feel like the people there. He was like, they're paying money. They don't want me there. Like I would be out of place there, which is a much more heartbreaking and interesting and real choice than the sort of, you know, more Hollywood, you know, theatrical reason that he doesn't go in the movie. It's someone who's very self-aware going like someone like me is not welcome in this space. Which so yeah, I that just, could have led to some good scene work. Yeah, it would have been a better movie. But anyway, uh, yeah, I loved that that he stayed on the street and busked instead of uh, checking out the filming. Yeah. Um, let's talk Jenna Malone. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, lit up. Lit up to see her. She's in Oof. one scene. Uh, but she's great. And it's, uh, she's phenomenal in that scene. She's phenomenal in that scene. She's playing a healthcare worker. A phlebotomist. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and she has, like, I really liked her hair in this, too. Yeah. I, uh, I will forever defend Jenna Malone. She's, she's one fantastic. of my favorite actresses. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't get enough due or praise um, the fact that I we're not all talking about how good she was in the Hunger Games, I don't understand. Like, like those Hunger Game movies will probably never do them on the pod because they're just mediocre enough to yep avoid. Uh, but man, does she crush it in the the last three? Yep, and she really does. Her and Jeffrey Wright are just putting clinics in those. Yeah, they're <laughs> just uh, they're showing everyone how it's done. Yeah, so um, she's great and saved. Yep. No, she's great in everything because she's also uh, Donnie Darko. That's her too, right? Yeah, yeah she plays in the girlfriend in Donnie Darko. Yeah. Yep. No, she's been consistently fantastic in everything that she's been in her entire career. And I'll say it again, Jenna Malone for Lois Lane. It'd be great. I'd be into it. I think it. she'd make a great Lois Lane. I, I'm not arguing. Yeah, I agree. Let's make that happen. I know you're not. I'm just yeah. saying let's, that's, that's my pitch. Hollywood cast her as Lois Lane. Look, Affleck, I know you listened to last month when we did all your movies and you probably got hooked on the show and you're still listening now. So uh, put us in contact with someone at DC. We got a, we got a Superman pitch. 
Yeah. Don't you worry. And the Superman pitch is that it's a Lois Lane movie and the Superman's barely in it. He's tangentially in it. Yeah, he just goes missing in the first five minutes. And then it's a hard-hitting reporter, Lois Lane, trying to track him down. And then it's all the president's men, but with Lois Lane. Yeah. So better. Yeah. But also Um, Nixon's in it. What's that? Nixon's in it, though. Oh, Nixon's in it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, And uh, he's played by just the prosthetics from Watchmen. Yeah. No actor. Yeah. Yeah, because it's part of Lex Luthor's plan is he reanimates the corpse of Nixon to be president yeah, and, again. And it's and nothing has been done to those prosthetics since they've been taking off that taking off that actor's face. It's just moldy, gross, discarded latex mm-hmm. as Richard Nixon. Yeah. And it's it's gonna be chilling. Yeah, it's uh Dan you, Hadea is gonna be wondering why he didn't take notes from this guy. You think the the cast of the Batman couldn't sleep? After filming their scenes, just wait until the cast of Lois Lane, <laughs> all yeah. the, all the, all the Lois's lanes. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. What the, the movie's just called L. L. I like it. It's just L. Yeah. Um, go. yeah. It's going to be great. And it, it's, uh, Jimmy Olsen will be played by Dave Franco. <laughs> yeah. We're big Dave Franco fan. Big, big Franco fans. Yeah. Just Dave. Let's get that clear. Just yeah, Dave. Just Dave and Allison Brie. But yeah, love Allison Brie. Um, John Goodman for Perry White. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's, man, all the budget cuts, he's real angry all the time at just, his reporters. He's mad because newspapers, the print media is dying. Yeah. It's a whole talk about the, you know, the death of print media and fighting for clicks and social media stuff and, you know, where Superman. Also, like Lex Luthor, he's he does like a Bezos move and he buys the paper. So yeah, he, he buys the Daily Planet to save it and takes it to space. And he takes it to space, and then he's like every he does it like Oprah Magazine. He wants to be on the front page. He's just on the front page every time, <laughs> every uh, day. <laughs> it's a daily, but he wants to be on the front of it every day. And, and every story is just like Lex Luthor is a real great guy. And the other villain is Solomon Grundy, played by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Why because. has that not happened? I don't, because probably because he doesn't want to. Someone's asked him. Look, Solomon. He's been asked to play Solomon Grundy. Look, Brock, if you're listening, and we know you are. I know you are. You can wear the cowboy hat and the flannel as Solomon Grundy. Well, if yeah. that's what it takes. And you, you know what? Even if you want to do like what you were doing before, where you have like Jimmy John's ads on you, so you get paid by sure. Jimmy John's. I don't care. You can yeah, eat a Jimmy just, John sandwich as Solomon Grundy. We can make it happen. Yeah, just hundred percent. You want the uh, the beach club? Is that your go to? Maybe you're a roast beef guy. We'll get. We'll make it happen. He's definitely a roast beef guy. Oh, he's definitely a roast beef guy. <laughs> I just like the avocado. I'm not. I'm gonna be honest. Um, I don't think I've ever eaten it at Jimmy John, so I can't. That's actually. probably okay. Their owner's a monster. <laughs> yeah, but uh, really, a monster <laughs> is uh, paying for ads on UFC gear. <laughs> That's, I know. Shocking. Wow. Yeah. Shocking. My worldview shattered. Yeah. Um, this Make this movie, please. Yeah. I, that's the silver lining is that we just came up with a hell of a pitch to save, save, save DC. the DCEU. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Amy Adams. Yeah. But you, Amy, like, look, Amy, you're going to come back in. They're doing all that Flashpoint stuff. You can. Yeah. There's can, ways to get you in. We, we'll, we're going to do. This is going to lead 
to a Lois Lane multiverse for sure. We're <laughs> Enter gonna, the Lois verse. We're gonna bring. Can we get Margot Kidder? Let's bring them all back. Let's, Let's get Margot Kidder. Sure. Yeah. Where did um, you get all the Lois Lanes? Yeah, we're gonna get Dana Delaney who voices Lois Lane in the animated thing. She's gonna be we'll in. We'll get it. Terry Hatcher. What's she doing? Yeah, but only Terry Hatcher from that show. That's the only person from that show who's invited. Is Terry Hatcher and only Terry Hatcher? <laughs> Just to be clear, no one else. <laughs> Just uh. Terry Hatcher. <laughs> the Adventures of it, it, the show is called Lois and the New Adventures of Superman. That was it. Yeah. Um. And but there was no Superman in it, which was weird. Yeah. All right. I, I do have I do have another silver lining. I have a few others too. Uh, okay. But yeah. Let's. All right. Well, you have a few others. I don't know if you want to go again. I only have one. I don't one. know. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just vamping. Okay, because I only have one. But Great. Uh, this is also from the IMDb uh, trivia, but I think it's worth noting. The writing of the book and the selling of the film rights helped pay Ayer's expenses and helped his sister, a mental health professional, set up a foundation for him. So look, everything else about this movie aside, the fact that the real Nathaniel Ayer's, like, was able to benefit from all of this financially and to, uh, you know, sort of get off the streets and find a place to stay and have more resources and is getting better uh, treatment and, you know, help and resources and all of that. Uh, that's all legitimately great. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's a big that that is the silver lining to me, like everything else. Oh, I think 100%, is important, No, but- like um, and honestly, like that voiceover speech where he says how. You know, Nathaniel Ayers has a bed and a key. Yeah. Like, I like that verbiage, too. Yeah. Which I wonder if that's from the original <laughs> columns. That, like, I bet it is. I'm, I'm why g- wouldn't, if it's not, why wouldn't you have used the original? Right. But I, I'm going to guess that the actual writing on the columns and book is probably better than what we got here. Yeah. But I did like that. Just the phrase that, like, he has a bed. Yeah. And a key. Like, mm-hmm. just the phrase that, like. To have a to be able to lock your own door like that isn't something we think of as a privilege, but right? Very much is. Yeah. No, I think that's yeah. And I thought that I thought that was I thought that was well worded. I really like that part. Yep. Um, RDJ is woefully miscast, but he's charismatic as hell, man. Yeah, I don't think this is a great use of him, but he's. I mean, it's Robert Downey Jr. and I I'm a big fan, so mm-hmm. he's not. You know. Look, if you if you need a guy to give it his all while slipping on his own urine and <laughs> and uh, carrot tops busy, then yeah, <laughs> then, you know, RDJ's yeah. your next call. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that he was cast as Chaplin. That man can do physical he can do physical comedy. comedy yes, yeah. um, really good. Just general supporting cast too. Uh, Nelson Ellis, who you know, uh, rest in peace great actor playing the uh administrator at lamp mm-hmm. Catherine keener might be my favorite actress if i if i were really pressed to pick always happy to see Catherine keener even if she's completely misused in this and could have i, I would i would say underused rather than misused well, but maybe underusing her is misusing her well that's that's what i mean when i say that like just has nothing interesting or worth her time to play or do or say throughout the movie but i i, I like she is great. Steven Root, who I love, 
Yeah, Steven Root's great. That, uh, that, that has whole bit. the weird karaoke scene. That's super fun. Yeah, and then there's that bit with his stapler where everyone keeps trying to take it, and then he he keeps fighting them off, and then they eventually put him down in like an auxiliary closet, and they take his stapler, and he burns the place down, which I thought right. was and a then, very unexpected ending. And then there's the part where, um, you know, he somehow goes blind, and he offers to record Nathaniel Ayers uh, and the other Soggy Bottom Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all great things. Like th- those were like those parts seemed better than everything else. Like and then there's a- the other part, yeah, where he um somehow then becomes the owner of a news radio station. Yeah, and that one went on for a really long time, like six seasons almost. Yeah, it was it was odd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, Tom Hollander. He's he's uh, he's a guy for for Joe Wright. Like he, he- yeah, Tom Hollander shows up in a lot of. She's like. He's like the Jimmy Stewart to uh, Hitchcock as jo- Tom Hollander is to uh, Joe Wright. Yep. <laughs> that track. Or he- yeah, I was doing I had that like like SAT word problem, but I was like, yeah, no, that's that that checks out. Well, except no, Jimmy Stewart was always the lead. So it's more like. Um, Bruce Campbell is to Sam Raimi. Well, but Bruce Campbell was the lead. But he also shows up as like, because like Tom Hollander plays the leads in a couple of Joe Wright flicks, but shows up as like secondary characters in a lot of other ones in much the way that Bruce Campbell shows up in almost everything Sam Raimi does. Cannot wait to see what he does in Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, no, that's that's got to be great. You know what it is? I feel like it's like um, it's like Del Toro and the way that he uses Richard Jenkins. Hmm. Yeah, like Jenkins was in Shape of Water. He's in Nightmare Alley. Like he's showing up and all this stuff. Love Richard Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get him on the pod. Like, let's see. Yeah. Let's have him on the pod. All right, man. We're, I don't know. You got anything else? Do we? Um, no, I think we did it. Okay. Well, I actually, I have, I have something to play us out. So how about this? All right. Uh, as we said, like really the cool thing about this is that there is a real Nathaniel Ayers. And I thought of no more appropriate way uh, to go out. than uh, this is an actual clip of him playing music. Uh, that was posted on YouTube by his sister, and he's playing two instruments at the same time, uh, and that's that's just cool. And he's very talented, so I thought I thought he could play us out. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We have have to to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.